The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome to this five-week course, Introduction to Mindfulness Meditation. And there are people who are still coming in, so maybe I'll, uh, one of the least important things to, to say uh, is uh, a little bit about me. And um, I've been the teacher for this community since 1990, and I came to study at Stanford. And I'd been a, a monk for 10 years, practicing here in this country, practicing in Japan and Zen monasteries, practicing in Southeast Asia and Thailand and Burma. And um, and that was my life. I was really there was a time in my life to no longer be a monastic, <clears throat> but I wasn't, you know, leaving Buddhism or something. So I, I just somehow ended up at Stanford, <clears throat> studying of all things Buddhist studies. So I didn't get that far away. <clears throat> but then when I came there, <clears throat> the the people in I started teacher training with Jack Hornfield, and um, and Jack Hornfield knew the facilitator for a small sitting group in Palo Alto. <clears throat> and they, he tell, told them, oh, you can invite Gil to be the teacher. And so I came there to start teaching in 19, August 1990. And, um, and then uh, slowly over those t- time that things grew and developed until it became uh, active enough for us to buy our own place. And so then... In 2000, end of 2001, we bought this place from the wonderful ministers. We had this beautiful couple who, they really wanted us to buy their church because they were kind of mystical Christians and they sat in silence. And, and then we sit in silence. So they really wanted us to have it. And um, so we had a wonderful relationship with them. There was a lot of love and a lot of, kind of a mystical, not a mystical, but contemplative, beautiful silence we had together. And um, and so then we've been here now for 22 years. It's a long time. It's hard to believe. So um, I have a lot of experience meditating. I, I mean, I started meditating when I was 19. And that was... Oh. <laughs> when you do the math, uh, that was half a century ago. It's kind of unbelievable. So, so I've been doing this for a long time, and uh, it's something I love doing, and um, and uh, it's something that has brought me a tremendous amount of benefit, tremendous healing, tremendous uh, wisdom, tremendous freedom, tremendous capacity for compassion, and and um, <clears throat> and it's brought me a lot of ease in my life. And uh, so it's been a wonderful journey, and um, and so it's one of my favorite things I said to teach this intro to meditation class. And for some of you, maybe it's the beginning of a journey, and for some of you, it just continues a journey because that's what I, I think of from the point of view of Buddhism, this practice or meditation. That's what life is. It's one endless journey that every step is so wonderful to do, and uh, part of the benefit of mindfulness meditation. There's something it teaches us about the tremendous value of the next step, the next breath, this moment here. And so we find fulfillment in a certain way, not from the conventions of conventional ways of being fulfilled in life, not by having jobs or finding 
partnership or getting praise or getting wealthy or, um, I don't know, having wonderful recreational experiences and vacations. or There's a lot of things people pursue uh, uh, conventionally in order to be fulfilled, to be happy, that... um, are not that are kind of that are kind of from a Buddhist point of view are kind of fragile. They easily disappear and they get challenged. And many people, it's not enough to have success, and they want more. And the people there are lots of people in our society who are poor. Lots of people who are struggling with oppression and racism and different things. And um, and and there too, to. To be caught in that world, interactive world, and and uh, maybe if not caught, but kind of trapped in it because of how society is. It's, uh, meditation teaches that there's a kind of a side door to take that doesn't really cure racism, but creates a very different inner landscape that can again be healing, can be uh, freeing, can bring a kind of love, a kind of peace that's not dependent on what goes on around us. And that provides people with a lot of courage, it provides people with a lot of confidence, provides people with um, a much more sense of, um, of sense, to the word of the day, fulfillment, that they can be fulfilled and happy without the world around them changing. Uh, I have a book on mindfulness that's available for free on the, on the counter. You're welcome to take one if you, when you leave. If, there might be more of you than there are books on the counter, but we have lots in the shelves, so just we can pull out more. And the reason I'm mentioning it is it starts off with a story of um, the ancient ancient world where um, they um, there was a king who uh, they, they, everyone back then walked around barefoot, and the king one day stubbed his toe, cut his foot or something. So he ordered his people to carpet the kingdom so he wouldn't hurt himself again. And someone said, you know, that's, there's an easier way than carpeting the kingdom. Just make shoes for everyone. And then you can go anywhere. And so, in a sense, to try to change the world, the whole world, to make it just perfect for you so everything is good, um, is a lot of work. And what's much more realistic is figure out how to wear shoes. And so wherever you step, it becomes safe for you. And so mindfulness is a way to find, maybe it's kind of funny to call it shoes, but uh, to every, 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 everything you touch with your senses, everything you see and hear, everything you think, everything that happens to you, you have now have uh, a, um, a safety net. You have a, you have a capacity, you have a, Means by which to know it and be with it that you're protected, you're safe in some deep inner way. And, uh, and that's a lot better than carpeting the world to make it all work for you. And some people are very busy trying to change the world when it's easier to change yourself. So um, I love teaching this class and I hope, to, hope this is nice for you. You get a taste of uh, this joy and kind of what's, what's, how mindfulness can be nice. And um, um, IMC, our center here, is a Buddhist center. It is a Buddhist meditation I'm teaching. And though we're kind of Buddhist light here. 
So we don't really care whether you're a Buddhist or not. Doesn't that that's not really important? You don't have to adopt Buddhist beliefs, ideas, teachings in order to do this practice. This practice uh, does not need. The practice doesn't need Buddhism. Um, Buddhism needs the practice. So, um, so if you come to do the practice, and you hear me refer to Buddhism, and it's maybe it's weird or you know something, just know that uh, that's the Buddhism part is take it or leave it. It's all take it or leave it. But just just uh, just a little warning in case some people some people get a little uncomfortable with the Buddhist references. And um, the um, so the way this course works is it's five weeks, and the instructions is progressive. So uh, <clears throat> today we'll talk about some basic ideas of meditation posture, to kind of, and then uh, meditation on breathing. And with that as a foundation, and then hopefully you'll practice a little bit at home. And then next week we'll build on that to do mindfulness of the body. The body is phenomenally important, um, so much so that it's maybe unfortunate that we, they translated into English the word sati as the ancient Indian word sati as mindfulness. Uh, it's probably, I would have preferred they have chosen body, chosen bodyfulness because to really learn how to be embodied as part of mindfulness, as part of where our attention and awareness resides, is uh, is central to this whole journey that we're on. And then the third week is mindfulness of emotions. And uh, and people have complicated relationships with their emotions, but to be a human being is to have emotions. Some people have them strong, sometimes people have them weak, but they're still an important part of life. And so the idea is to fold emotions into the practice, not to push them away, not to try to deny them or have shame around them or feel like some are, you shouldn't have some. Mindfulness is an is a amazing place when you do mindfulness meditation that you can really open to the inner emotional life in a particular way that's very healthy and healthy for that inner life of ours. The fourth week we'll talk about mindfulness of thinking. And for some people who meditate, there's a war between thinking and meditation because they think so much and they think they shouldn't be thinking. When we do mindfulness meditation, there's no divide like that. That um, certainly sometimes the mind gets very quiet, almost like it doesn't think at all, and that's quite nice. But there, there, we don't, we don't, mindfulness practice, we're not living in a divide between how things should be and how things actually are. We're always being present for how things are as they are. And if we're thinking a lot, then um, the idea is to learn how to bring mindfulness to that in a way that's beneficial for us, how to bring attention and awareness to it. So we're not caught in the thoughts. We're not being driven and pushed around by the thoughts or troubled by our thoughts. And so we learn how to be mindful of them, And um, but you don't have to stop thinking. So don't, we don't want to set up this strong dichotomy, strong separation that thinking is wrong and meditation is supposed to be silent. So we'll talk about that in the fourth week. And it's a lot easier. The reason we wait, wait for the fourth week to talk about thinking is that it's a lot easier to have this uh, useful attention to thinking if you first have a, if you know how to be mindful of breathing, you know how to be present for your body, and you know how to be present for emotions. Those three, then, really are a huge support for mindfulness of thinking. And then the fifth week, 
will be how to pull all these together so they work together as a whole, not only in meditation, but also outside into our daily life. And uh, and one of the uh, one of the benefits of learning mindfulness comes from not keeping the mindfulness to meditation, but learning how to bring a higher quality attention awareness uh, into our daily activities in life. And so the benefits of meditation are carried with us into into our life and the way we live. And then, um, from the Buddhist point of view, then we learn how to live with much more freedom in our life than many people experience when they're caught in their attachments, caught in their fears, caught in their ambitions or preoccupations. So that's the kind of uh, the path we'll take. And um, in the um, so we'll do. Uh, I'll do some teaching. We'll do probably most days. We'll do one or two short periods of meditation, and then um, <clears throat> and then uh, it'll be a chance for some questions, and um, and hopefully you'll feel well engaged in all this. So um, the other thing that I want to say as a as an introduction to this kind of mindfulness meditation is that um, it can be many people find it challenging. Many people find it challenging to sit quietly and to. Um, have their mind be quiet or sit still and because they're restless or they're something. And um, the, um, um, I'd like to kind of encourage you to consider that either it's impossible to fail when you do this meditation or we simply don't bother with the orientation that you're doing it right or wrong or you're you're succeeding or not succeeding. It's just a waste of time when you meditate to have those thoughts. Um, so you kind of, it's fine. Whatever happens to you when you meditate, the approach here is it's fine. It's just one more thing to be mindful of, one more thing to be aware of, to really recognize it. This is a practice of recognizing what is. As I said earlier, recognizing what is, not recognizing what you think should be. And many people want things to happen, and they should happen. I mean, many people are suffering and challenged and in their lives. So, of course, we want to be happy. <clears throat> but the path here in this mindfulness tradition is uh, to find that by learning how to be present for this experience now in a productive way, in a useful way, to really learn the art of how do we show up for our life in the moment, no matter what's happening to us. And um, so... That's why you can't fail, because you just get to have be where you are, and then the journey of discovering, well, how do I have a productive, how do I have a useful attention to this? How do I hold this with care, with compassion? How do I hold it with ease? How can, how can I be relaxed, but even with this, even with this, as opposed to fighting it or justifying it or all kinds of complicated things that we do. So please come in. You can come in anywhere in a chair, and, and uh, you, you arrived at a good time because it's kind of like we're starting now. So I thought maybe a nice way of beginning 
is um, to do something really short to give you a little taste of what's possible. That it doesn't have to be a long meditation to benefit from this mindfulness practice. And uh, you can do it in the posture you're in. You don't have to change your posture because this is, can be done in daily life as well. And it doesn't require you know, anything more than just a few seconds. I call it the three-breath journey. And that is uh, to close your eyes and just hang out with three breaths. You can count them. One, two, three. And just with your eyes closed, just stay there with three breaths. So why don't you try that? So maybe that was three breaths. So what happened in three over in the course of three breaths? Did anything change for you, or is it nothing changed? Like why would I do that? Anybody want to share? Yes, please. Get a little louder. Nice and relaxing in three breaths. Uh-huh. Great. Someone else? Oh, I just noticed distractions. You notice distraction. Well, that's one of the primary things we're trying to do is notice what's happening for us. And you think it was useful to notice that? Yeah, I, I noticed it and was able to refocus on breathing. Uh-huh. And that was a nice thing to do? It was. Great. How so? Just the sense that I don't have to be at the mercy of what's going on around me or what I'm, what thought comes into my head. Great. Lovely. That's a great lesson. I felt a little bit like once I paid attention to my breath, I wanted to control it. So, and then it just took me a bit to try and relax and have it come at its own uh-huh. rhythm. Uh-huh. I don't think I accomplished that in three breaths, though. Uh-huh. You know, it, um, in the way that we do mindfulness, uh, it's enough just to notice you're trying to control it. You don't have to stop doing it. The stopping will take care of itself. If you if you just if you see clearly what's happening, that's all we're that's all we're doing in the main thing in mindfulness practice, and uh, and then it's remarkable if you stay like that, very simple, and just say, oh, it's like that, it's like that, um, something begins happening without you having to fix it, and that's a real that's a real cool thing to see happen. But I think I think it's fantastic that you saw that you were trying to control it. And I apologize if I completely miss you or something, but what I see is um, when people report right away when they sit, sit down that they're trying to control their breathing, it represents a tendency that's playing out in their life in other ways as well. And so it's a good tendency to see. This is the good place to see it and kind of work with it and find another way. Time slowed down for me. Time slowed down for you. Very nice. So in three breaths. Very nice. 
So it didn't take long, did it? So some of you found it was nice. So imagine if you did that, you know, I don't know, once an hour through the day. It probably changed your day quite a bit. And it doesn't take, the three breaths doesn't take long. And how many times in your daily life are you just waiting for something to happen that where you, you, can, you can take the three breaths? Oh, I don't have to wait. I can just do three breaths and then see what happens. So mindfulness can be that easy. We're going to meditate for longer, but, uh, but I think getting that message that it can be that simple. Um, and to do it repeatedly, that three-breath journey over, over days, over the day, here and there, just whenever it seems like it's nice, um, you, begin, you, start, you start building up a familiarity to all these little tricks of the mind, the body, how you are, how, you, how things can shift. You, have a, you develop a capacity to let go of whatever you're caught up in in the moment in some small degree. And to have that kind of accumulation of those lessons over time is really can be very helpful in any life we live. So we practice meditation, which is sitting quietly for some kind of extended period of time. And, um, and the classic idea of meditation is sit on the floor cross-legged. It's not necessary to do that. Those of you who are going to do your meditation in a chair, you can be reassured or be inspired that in Buddhist lore, in the kind of Buddhist mythology, the next Buddha will be a chair sitter. <laughs> so um, maybe, you know, maybe you. And, um, but uh, there's something nice about sitting on the floor because it, it's easier to have a, a kind of a, uh, the stability of a tripod. Uh, your two knees and your bottom creates a nice kind of uh, foundation that uh, in a low center of gravity that lets kind of the upper torso kind of relax and settle. And, and um, many years ago I read a study that said that the two po- po- human postures that allow the human body to relax the most is in yoga, what's called the corpse posture, when you're laying on your back and uh, sitting in full lotus like this upright. That something about this the alignment of these postures allow for a deep relaxation over time. So it's nice to do this if you can. And um, the way it's usually done is you want to be elevated a bit. And um, depending how open your hips are, um, it it will depend how high you want to sit. If you're tight in your hips, the higher you want to sit. And if you're really loose, you can sit pretty low. But you want to have enough height so that uh, there is a teeny bit of curve in your lower part of the back. For most people, it's kind of the natural curve that's retained, but just a teeny bit, not overarch, but just a little bit. So there's a teeny bit of, of uh, uh, movement in the spine that helps to push you, the rest of your torso upright and alert. Um, and then there's also sitting on your knees, like the gentleman here. And that's, that's, uh, he's, you're sitting on top of a cushion that way, and some people find that works really well for them. Um, and the gentleman here is sitting on a bench. We have, a, we have these benches in the back of the corner there, and some people love sitting in those benches, and that's uh, easier than cross-legged for some people. And, um, but it gets you low center of gravity. If you're sitting in a chair, the, um, um, the classic instruction is to have both feet uh, flat on the ground in front of you, and to have the f- feet parallel to each other, the legs, 
and with, with the, the knees slightly lower than the hips. So that because if the knees are above the hips, it tends to push out the spine and the lower back. It causes trouble over time. And if, it's, um, and if you need to have extra help, we have a variety of cushions here. And if you're, if you're short, you can put a, 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 a cushion underneath your, your, your feet. If you're tall, then you want to maybe put a cushion underneath the, the, on the seat of your chair so that um, you get the right kind of way in which your, your knees are just a little bit lower than the hips. Not a lot uh, lower and not higher. Um, some people like to have their legs out wide like in a triangle and they feel stable that way, but the idea is to have a feeling of stability in the feet, um, that you're really here in a strong way. So you're rooted here with the feet firmly on the ground. And then if possible, to sit uh, as alert in the chair as you can, upright in the chair as you can. Some people find it really nice not to use the backrest. There's something, the extra alertness that comes when you're not resting the body against something, but you're holding it up yourself. And it supports being really present here. Sometimes when people are using a backrest too much, it's kind of like you're being supported and some people are lulled into kind of being a little bit complacent and not engaged fully in the practice. But whatever you need to do so you're comfortable um, to do the practice. Um, but the point is not to be super comfortable. Don't, don't like try to like, because you're supposed to think, think meditation is about all about relaxing and you're going to find absolutely the most comfortable posture with, you know, that you can so that you can just relax as much as you can. That's not the point of mindfulness. Relaxation is certainly a byproduct of this practice and it's really helpful up to a point. But if it's overemphasized, and that's, if that's the be-all and end-all of what you're trying to do when you're meditating, you're, you're miss, missing out on the benefits that come from developing a calm but clear awareness. And so what we're looking for is a balance between calmness and alertness. And uh, if you overemphasize calmness, then you lose the alertness. If you overemphasize alertness, then you might lose the calmness. It's a little bit stressful. And so it is to find the balance. And, and some of that is found through the posture. So the idea is to have a posture that supports both calmness and alertness. In our tradition, we meditate with the eyes closed. And, um, but uh, some people prefer meditating with the eyes open, which is fine to do. Uh, in our tradition, we emphasize in having your eyes kind of half open, looking 45 degrees down to the floor with a very loose focus, like you're looking at a mountain in the distance. And the hands uh, can be in many, many ways. Um, these, in the last decade or so, I've been in having my hands on my thighs this way. And um, for decades before that, I had my hands together like this when I meditated. And sometimes it goes back and forth still. And um, one of the things you have to be look at where your hands are, that your hands are not so far forward that they're pulling your shoulders forward. So, because then it's very easy. Many of us, you know, on the computer all day or something and are leaning forward already. And so we want to kind of not be constantly kind of pulling over. And so bringing, bringing the hands back so that the elbows are right along the sides here of the body. And if you're sitting with the hands together somehow here, rather than resting them on the ankle, which sometimes pulls you forward also, is to get something that you... Um, 
so there, your hands are resting higher up, and this kind of keeps the chest a little more open and and uh, and relaxed. So that's kind of the basics. There's more I could say, but that's plenty, I think, for our purposes tonight. So let's uh, uh, try it. I'll do a guided meditation on um, beginning the meditation, which is just getting started. Every meditation has a period of preparation, getting, getting warmed up for it. And then we'll switch over to do a few minutes of mindfulness of breathing. So, uh, so and if you need to get it, we have lots of cushions there. If you want to try to get some more cushions and, and make yourself more comfortable, you're welcome to do that. So, assuming a posture that for you is a comfortable posture that helps you sit upright. And gently closing your eyes. And the first task is to just relax the surface tension of the day. One way to do that is to take a few deeper breaths, not too deep, but deep enough to be, really feel your body stretch and expand your torso. And then as you exhale, to relax your body. The deep inhales are a way to feel connected, to start making a connection to your immediate experience of your body. And the exhale is a time to relax into your body. And then letting your breathing return to normal. But continue the process of relaxing on the exhale, starting with the muscles of your face. As you exhale, softening the forehead and around the eyes. As you exhale, softening the shoulders. As you exhale, relaxing the belly. And maybe in the next few exhales, softening your whole body.
And there's one more place where it's nice to relax. And that is any tension or tightness or pressure that you might feel that's connected to your thinking. Maybe behind the forehead, middle of the head, maybe in the shoulders, sometimes in the chest, wherever that there might be some tightness connected to thinking, the thinking muscle. For the next three exhales, relax that thinking, relax the thinking muscle. And then you notice now where in your body is the experience of breathing most pronounced for you? Where is it easiest to feel the movements in the body as you breathe? Some people is the movements of the chest. Some people the movements of the belly, the diaphragm. Some people enjoy feeling the movement of the air going in and out through the nostrils. And some people like experiencing all those together. Somehow the whole experience of breathing in the body. In a sense, we're looking to notice how the body, your body experiences breathing. In whatever way you're breathing is completely fine. It's not about how you're breathing, it's about how you stay connected to it, aware of breathing. Instead of attention going to reinforce thinking, we use our attention to reinforce being present here and now in our bodies as we breathe. 
And sooner or later you'll notice your mind is distracted or pulled into a world of thoughts. You're not doing meditation wrong when that happens. It's okay. What the meditation is, what we do then, is just recognize clearly, I'm thinking. Recognizing your thinking is not staying on the train of thoughts. Stepping away and saying, oh, look at that. And then begin again with your breathing. If the thinking mind is strong, then you might start all over again with the little exercises in relaxing the body, relaxing the thinking mind. If you find yourself drifting off in thoughts often, strongly, you can always do the three breath journey. Just to be content with three breaths. And then maybe do it again.
And then as we come to the near the end of this meditation, you might pause briefly from being with your breathing or trying to be with your breath. And instead, see if you can recognize how you feel right now. How are you? See if in whatever way you are, you can let it be enough just to know it, just to recognize, oh, this is how I am, without adding anything more to that, any judgments or commentary, reactions to it. Oh, this is how it is. In whatever way you are, in the middle of it now, return to your breathing as if you're breathing into the middle of how you are, out of the middle, allowing yourself, yourself to be the way you are, but centered on your breathing. And then to end the meditation, again, take a few long, slow, deep breaths. And as you breathe in deeply, feel your body more fully, reconnect more fully to your body. Feel your body against your cushion, the chair, the floor, And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So many years ago, I was on a meditation retreat up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And there was a, I had a break from the schedule and I was sitting at the bank of a small creek, a very clear water. And as I looked at the water, it was very shallow, but very clear. 
I looked at it and said, I don't think the water is moving. I think, but there's a creek, so it's probably moving. So I was kind of like looking at it. So then I took a stick that was next to me and I put the stick into the water um, vertically. And then a little wake, little waves got formed on the edge of the, of the, of the stick. Oh, yes, the, the water is moving and this is the direction it's moving. Sometimes with our, in our life, we don't see what's happening to us very clearly. We're caught up in our thoughts, we're caught up in our activities, our feelings, what's going on. And we're so involved in it, we don't quite know what's happening. But it's useful to have a reference point that from which we can see, oh, look at that. So in meditation, the breathing is that reference point. If you um, sit down and try to follow a series of breaths in a row, and you very quickly realize you can't, my mind is out of control. Then now you, and you didn't know that until you tried to be with your breathing, then the meditation has been successful. Not at following the breath, but that's not necessarily the point. The point is to see yourself more clearly. Oh, look at that. My mind is out of control. And we say in our tradition that it's better, if you have a mind that's out of control, it's better to know it than not know it. And so having that reference point, trying to be with the breath and not being able to because the mind is spinning or preoccupied or, or there's feelings and emotions which are bubbling up and all that. If there's reactions, being bored, like just making commentary about what's happening, this is, you know, this is the best thing since peanut butter. You know, this is great. <clears throat> then uh, all those things are taking you away from the simplicity of just being here And so rather than being upset that it's taking you away from the simplicity of just being with your breathing, it's actually, the whole point is to be able to see yourself clearly. Look at that. I'm I'm thinking about peanut butter all the time when I meditate. Isn't that fascinating? What's going on with me? (laughs) I had no idea. Not that I think about it, now that I realize it, I'm thinking about peanut butter all day. It's probably not peanut butter, but some people, that's what they do. There's some equivalent. And um, so, um, so to, it's a way of highlighting and seeing ourselves, getting to know ourselves better. So if you try to sit down to be with the breathing and it doesn't work, that's okay. The meditation works if you see what it is that's distracting you. What's cutting you? Oh, that's what it is. Some people get so frustrated because they can't stay present for the breathing. Um, and that's unfortunate because that's not the point. The, the main point is to see ourselves clearly. But as we, but if you're able to stay with the breath, the breath is a is a classically a calming for most people, not everyone, a calming uh, influence on us. And if you can stay with the breathing, breathe mindfully, it tends to calm the the, the uh, nervous system. Some people find that just breathing a little bit, exhaling a little bit longer than usual helps that calming of the system down. Many people live tense lives, preoccupied lives. So it's good to calm. And so that calming effect sometimes is contagious, kind of like, oh, this is interesting. I want to stay with this because it feels good. And then you're kind of in the world of breathing, which can be nice. And then 
But to stay with breathing, sometimes you get calmer, quieter. And some people, you know, really like meditation because things get quieter, the mind gets quieter, the tensions in the body tend to fade away over time. Um, mostly because we're not reinforcing them anymore. But in the daily life, we go around thinking of the same things, having the same emotional responses and reactions, and so the tension is just being reinforced. You know, if we're fear all the time, and every place we go, we're afraid of something. You know, before you know it, our shoulders up by the ears, and we don't even know it because that's just normal. And then we sit down to meditate, and we're no longer living in that fear world. Slowly, the shoulders begin to relax because they're not being reinforced. As we stay with the breathing and just relax with it, that supports this, this movement of no longer feeding our reactivity, feeding our preoccupations. As we get calmer, we start seeing deeper layers of our reactivity, deeper layers of the operating principles of what makes us run and what's driving us. That is often um, happening uh, out of sight from ordinary life. We see some of the common patterns of emotions that really are influencing us or driving us or, you know, affecting us. We see some of the beliefs and thoughts, assumptions we have that are kind of hidden because we're so much in the surface mind, so busy and activated. So there's a value of getting quieter and quieter because it allows us to see what's happening with us clearer and clearer. I'm emphasizing this so you don't set up breath meditation as something you can do and fail at. There's no failing. It's, it's uh, you do it the best you can and then you learn from how you're not doing it. Then you're 100% doing meditation accurately. Oh, look at that. That's, what, that's why I keep losing the breath because I'm much more interested in peanut butter. Who would have guessed? You know, like, wow, I'm like a peanut butter junkie. And um, boy, I better stop eating peanut butter for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I think that, that's going to consume all my waking hours. So I'm being silly with that, but uh, it's not a silly phenomena that people get preoccupied with all kinds of things. Um, and, uh, and, um, <clears throat> and that's what they think about all the time or concerned with all the time. Sometimes it's kind of sad. You know, some people... There's a lot of people in our society. We have a society that um, that uh, feeds us fear. Society, social kind of constructs that really reinforce fear and feeling of inadequacy of who we are. And it's and then people take it very personally, like a personal failure, which really is a society that's kind of teaching this to us. And we're, some people are caught up in some level of anxiety all the time. To see that and be able to just see it and breathe with it and relax with it is life-changing. If it's an alternative to always being caught up in it. And some people come to meditation and discover that they I, I had no idea how that was pervasive. I'm always anxious. I didn't know. It's sad, but it's really inspiring to finally see it. The principle in this practice here that it's much better if you see what you're doing, see what's driving you, than not knowing it at all. Once you see it, the idea is to be really simple with it. 
don't, no need in this meditation to judge herself. No need to uh, feel like anything that you do when you're sitting quietly in this kind of meditation posture is wrong. That it's just something else to see. It's something else to know and to hold. Kind of like you're your best friend. Or, you know, maybe some of you, I hope some of you have had the experience of either being someone's friend or someone being your friend, where one of the people is really disturbed, really upset about something, and you sit on a bench and one of the, the friends just listens to you, just is there, accompany you, doesn't try to fix you, doesn't try to solve anything. They're a really good listener and something in your system relaxes with that. So the idea in meditation, we're being our own friend. We're just listening, we're just being with how we are so that something on our nervous system can relax. So, so the idea is to be simple, be that friend. Oh, that's how it is, oh, that's how it is. Okay, let's go back to breathing in the middle of it. Let's go back, because maybe there's more to discover. Let's go back and breathe, breathe. And then sometimes maybe you breathe for not three breaths, but 10 breaths. Maybe sometimes you start feeling, there's a kind of little, um, um, at some point where uh, you stay long enough with a series of breaths, you kind of like get in the groove with it. And it just feels like you're starting getting concentrated and oh, this is really good. And it just feels very sweet. So there's all this wonderful sweetness or actually a kind of inner beauty where the breath feels really beautiful, you feel really beautiful inside that comes from being absorbed or being really kind of tu- uh, kind of tuned into the breath over time. So that's when the byproducts can happen. Don't try to make that happen. You know, anytime you try to make something happen in meditation, then guess what? That's the opportunity to say, look at that. I'm trying to make something happen. Uh, turns out I'm, I'm trying to do that all day long. I do it all day long, trying to make something happen, fix something, adjust something, improve something. And now I'm doing a meditation. Of course I'm doing it in meditation. Look at that. Now I can see it much more clearly. I keep, even here I'm doing it. Wow, I guess meditation's working, I see it. As opposed to, oh no, I can't meditate, I'm a terrible meditator because I'm always trying. So that kind of attitude, now I'm not doing it right, I'm a terrible meditator, that's one of those odd things that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you have that belief, it kind of becomes true. But you don't have to believe it. Don't, don't go that way. That's, that, that meditation is a radically different paradigm of how to be with oneself, just to know this is how it is. So now I'll take some questions or uh, about any of this we've done so far. But before I do that, I want to say, I forgot to say at the beginning, you know, my voice is kind of quiet. So if you have trouble hearing me, you can raise your hand and ask us to turn up the volume. But we also have uh, hearing assistant devices just outside there on the counter. And you can uh, go now if you want them, or anytime you come here. Those hearing system devices work well too to to augment the sound. So, any questions about anything, or concerns about anything that so far? Hello. Um, so I meditated for a few years now, 
closer here. Can you hear me now? Okay, so I meditated for a few years now, and somebody once told me that when you eat and then you meditate after, it's, it's not good because your concentration is doesn't, it gets, how you say, it, it wouldn't work. If you, yeah, yeah, and so I never listen to it, but I always meditate in the morning before eat. And so today, <laughs> we ate right before we came here. And I realized that. So is that so, has some kind of truth in it, or is just I don't know, just thinking. So it's very interesting what you say. The idea in meditation, in mindfulness meditation, is to learn to become your own teacher. So you. So the way you become your own teacher is to experiment with that. Um, uh, I, um, uh, sometimes meditate before you eat, like before, before breakfast, and see how that is. Sometimes do it afterwards, and then see what works for you. Some people find that it's easier to be present for meditation if their stomach is not full. Other people find that only by uh, eating a little bit first do they have the energy and clarity to be able to practice attention. So different people are different this way. So rather than me telling you what it should be, it's much better if you become the, uh, you discover for yourself by trial and error different things. Is that okay? Yeah, thank you. But there is a long tradition of meditators meditating first thing in the morning, um, kind of before everyone else is awake. And it's so, it can be so sweet. It's still very quiet. There's not many cars on the road. It's, It's maybe dark. It just feels like like there's all this support for just being present and quiet and calm. And, and uh, some people find the advantage of meditating as soon after they wake up is that um, the momentum of daily concerns hasn't built up. And, uh, and so it's a really nice time some people find. Other people find that it's terrible to meditate first thing in the morning. <laughs> and uh, they're just so anxious and they can't wait for their cup of coffee and, you know... <laughs> So the idea is to learn how it works for you. There was a long time period in my life where I meditated um, twice a day. The, when I was in college, I meditated the first thing in the morning and um, the 40, 40 minutes before I went to bed in the, in the evening. And that was my rhythm. And that was a great rhythm for me. There was another period of time where I meditated first thing in the morning and then I meditated when I came back from work in the in the six o'clock. And that was really great to uh, come back from work and, and just kind of clear out. And a lot of the first half of the meditation was clearing out all the momentum and stuff of the work day. And the second half of the, of the meditation, I had the benefit of then being cleared out. And now I was sitting there really clear. And now I was clear for the rest of the evening. It was a real, like, I was refreshed and clear and renewed for the evening. So the idea is to experiment and find out what's nice and so there's a couple of. Could we have? He was. He had his hand up before, and then. Um, I was actually going to ask about meditating in the morning, yeah. and trade-offs between you know there being I guess nothing to be worried about yet, yeah, because the day has just started. Um, but you you addressed it, so thank yeah, you. yeah. And I mean, if if a person has lots of time and ability, it's great to do it two times a day, just because you different times a day you different benefits in different ways.
but most people can't do it. You know, a lot of people work and they have responsibilities, and and um, so you know, once a day is plenty. Yeah. So when I first heard that, when I first started that you can't fail at meditating, um, I remember I took that and interpreted that as so. Whenever I sat down, I would just do whatever, let my mind go wherever, ah. and I just go, you know. And so now I know a little better, but wouldn't would you say that that's? I don't want to use fail, but are you not really meditating if you just kind of yeah yeah let you yeah, yeah. Let your mind go all over the place? Yes, um, it's possible to sit down and not meditate. You know, sit sit there and just daydream, and you know, I can't fail. And I'm thinking about going to Disneyland and buying more peanut butter. And you know. those were my first days. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> you know, and and there's people who wasted years of their life. Because somehow they got the permission, the idea that they're allowed to think anything they want. Everything's okay in meditation, and they're just drifting off in thought and planning vacations and all that. And I mean, maybe it's nice to do, but it's not meditating. To meditate is to recognize what's the core thing of mindfulness: is to really recognize. Oh, oh, I'm planning vacation. Oh, this is what's happening now. But it's not just recognizing it lightly is to recognize it with such clarity that it's the equivalent of you're in a... Uh, it, happened, it happened to me when I was younger once where I was in a crowd of people who were arguing about something. And for some reason I had to leave. And when I came back a couple of minutes later, they were still arguing, but I was at like 10 feet away. And I just stood there looking at them. And I was no longer in the argument. I was no longer invested. I was no longer caught. I was just watching it from a distance. Wow, that's quite something. They're, they've, they're all kind of lost themselves in this argument, and they're not paying, listening to each other, and, but I was no longer caught in it. So it's like taking a step back from your life and really seeing it. And it's not like a checklist approach, you know, oh, you know, distracted, and that, you know, let's continue talking and thinking about the distraction. It's like, oh, taking the time, oh, look at that. Step back. Oh, I'm planning vacations. Oh, this is what planning vacations are like. And what you'll see is what we, as we go through these weeks, then you can, in order to see it more clearly, you start feeling the, uh, the uh, sensations and physicality, the body side, what happens when you're thinking about vacations. Then you start st- recognizing the emotions that are driving it. Then you start recognizing, knowing how to mindful the thoughts that are driving it. So the whole ecology of what we're doing starts becoming open. So the act of recognition is seeing kind of the, the big picture of our life, what's really all the details of what's happening. And as you do that, you're no longer caught in it. You're starting to become free. And in that freedom, the whole system uh, will begin to relax and become calmer and more clear. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. So there is, a, there is a kind of purpose and momentum in all this. But, um, I mean, if you, really, if, you like to fa- if you really like the idea of failing, <laughs> yes, I mean, if you're really just sitting here daydreaming and just not you know, paying any attention to what's going on, then, of course, you failed meditating. But as soon as you are paying attention, then you can't fail. Thank you. Right.
Um, so uh, I've been meditating. Hold, hold that closer. Closer? Okay. So I've been meditating for a while, um, but I wanted to um, sort of contrast the experience of mindfulness versus another technique. So with uh, what I've noticed with, um, you know, like the technique that you're teaching, which is just keep coming back to the breath, what I find is at least for a while, I'm wondering what is it about the breath? There's no drama, there's no nothing. Why should I keep going back? So there's a certain boredom that starts coming in. And then slowly I, what I notice is the dynamics of that I start settling down and become calmer. And then it can focus on the breath a lot better. Does that make any sense? Or I think so. There's, there's many, many ways of meditating. There are different kinds of meditation practice. So, and even Buddhism, we have different meditation practice people do. Some meditation practices are uh, focusing much more on concentration in, rather than mindfulness. In Buddhism, there's just two major m- movements of meditation. There's the mindfulness movement and there's a the concentration movement. And some people do one or the other. Or some people combine them in a certain way. And that's kind of what we do here at IMC is combine them. But some people uh, begin with concentration. Concentration is much easier to fail because you're either concentrated or you're not. And the mind wanders off and you failed. You have to come back, come back. What's the advantage of the concentration approach is come back and come back, come back. It's really simple. You don't have to think about what you're doing. You don't have to recognize anything. Just start again, start again, come back. Something For some people, something really begins to relax when it's that simple and you're no longer feeding the distractions. So some people it works better to do concentration first and then mindfulness. Some people it works better to do mindfulness first than concentration. Um, some people, um, it's, uh, mindfulness turns out to be a phenomenally useful meditation practice to learn to be able to do any other kind of meditation practices people do or contemplative practices or prayer or spiritual practices people do. And a lot of people have come to who, who, who following a non-Buddhist religious tradition, have come to learn mindfulness so they can do their own religion better, because they see clearly what the mind is doing. They see how they get caught. They see how they uh, can learn how to be more present for what they're doing. So, is this an adequate answer for you, or do you want to ask again? No, I, had, uh, I think uh, that's okay. Okay. Yeah, so that's what you did before was the the concentration approach? Yeah, I've been doing trying to do mindfulness also, but I tend to start trying to con- stay on the breath and then then it goes away and then and then I wonder why am I just, you know, it's difficult to yeah. stay there. Yeah, so that, so what what I'm suggesting here is you know, stay a little bit on the breath, but is but when you find your mind wandering off, Take the time to recognize, oh, that's what's happening. And then begin again at the breathing. But always take your time. Oh, this is what's happening. This is why I'm distracted. This is what I'm caught up in. And then begin again the breathing until the next thing. And over time, some of the reasons for being distracted will quiet down because you've seen it, you know. And maybe you're not so tempted anymore. Okay, come back, come back. And then maybe rather than being with two breaths, you're with four, six, eight. And once you can get into like maybe, I mean, without forcing it, without trying too hard, if you can stay with 20 or 30 breaths in a row, 
at some point you might feel like something, you get in the, like I said earlier, you get in the groove. The sweetness of that. There's, the human system that we have loves to be absorbed. Have you ever read, some of you maybe have read, I don't think people read novels anymore, but now there's Netflix. But, uh, but um, the, uh, uh, some of you have probably read a novel and it's just so enjoyable to read it. Or you do a craft or do a play a musical instrument and you kind of get absorbed in what you're doing. And or cooking and you get absorbed in what you're doing. And it's just so nice to do it. You kind of, everything else kind of gets forgotten. This idea of just everything forgotten and just really doing your one thing, kind of being in the groove of that, is really good for this psychophysical system of ours. There's a lot of, it feels really nice and sweet to do it. So the same thing can happen with breathing. At some point, uh, when we no longer get so just pulled away into all these things, because we've recognized them, we've learned to settle them, we learn to relax, at some point, you know, 20, 30, 40, who knows how long it takes, but the, uh, the whole system begins to gather around the breathing. And um, it's usually called concentration. It gets concentrated on the breath, but gathered around. And it's like, believe it or not, it's like better than reading a good novel. It doesn't mean on principle or just hearing that. It seems ridiculous, right? The breath, how can that be interesting? But uh, what's interesting is not the breath, What's interesting is the way the mind's ability to get concentrated and focused. And um, not a few meditators feel a lot of joy. There's something, there's something that produces joy, a sense of well-being for our system to be unified into an absorbed state. The unification of it. Most people live fragmented lives. And this meditation helps us to stop being fragmented and brings everything together so it can be unified in harmony. And that's where the sweetness comes. Yes? So, um, I find that when I'm trying to come back to the breathing, so I get go off in my little tangent in my mind, I have this tendency to do this sort of visualize this person who is doing this sort of motion in and out for the breathing, but I don't know if then that is using my mind uh-huh. to like focus on the breathing, but I actually, I don't know, it just sort of happened where I just visualize this person who's just doing this uh-huh. motion, uh-huh. So I don't know. Uh-huh. So the interesting, that's great. So the interesting, to be able to answer your question, I have to answer your question, I have to ask you a question. Um, when you do visualize that person doing this thing with the breathing, uh, what happens to you? Um, well, I relax and I, I can do the counting. So uh-huh. I can do the counting. The so wind. it helps you be present, helps you relax, helps you to be be there. Yeah. So then it's useful. Okay. And, uh, and then, uh, but at some point, you want to stop the visualizing. Okay. So use it when it's useful to get you going or get you centered. And then once you're kind of more there, then stop doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You look a little bit, a teeny well, bit I just perplexed. Don't know or that di- I can do that. <laughs> like, think like, it's like, I don't know if I can. Then, what am I actually thinking about? <laughs> am I thinking breath in, breath out? Oh, when there's no visualization. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, 
Yes, so this is, so this gets to an, a, another uh, instruction that we give in this tradition about mindfulness um, that's optional, but some people find it very helpful, is uh, as whatever you're being aware of, you make a very quiet, gentle, tender, relaxed note uh, naming it. So if you're with your breathing, you would gently say, in, as you're breathing in, out, as you're breathing out. And that might be enough for your mind to be involved. And in, uh, the way I was taught originally, it was rising, because we were told to follow the breath in the belly. So when you breathe in, the rising of the belly, we say rising. And then as you breathe out, falling as the, the belly fell. So, so there's these different words you can use. And then if you find yourself thinking about peanut butter, you can say, thinking. You don't, even, you don't have to even say peanut butter, you can say thinking. Or if you're finding yourself feeling kind of agitated, agitated. And there's something, and so we'll talk more about this, but maybe for you, this is the, you're looking for something to, that you can do so you're not too idle. And so the visualization of this person doing the breathing gets you involved, right? So, so the other thing you might try is this very simple mental noting, in, out, and see if that keeps you on track. So, yes, so we have in the corner. If you can wait for the mic, and if, if you can turn it up a little bit, the volume, Sveta. So one thing that I noticed was I'm a, I'm I'm very new to meditation. One thing that I noticed today as I was meditating was when I was concentrating on the breath, I felt that I have forgotten how to breathe. I was just sorry, sorry, slow down. But you know, I don't have my hearing aids. I lost them. I sorry. Next I've, week I'm supposed to have them back. But um, but so, so you, yeah, I was just saying that as I was concentrating on my breath, I almost felt that I have forgotten how to breathe. And every action of breathe in, breathe out did not feel natural. Like yeah. I was breathing in too hard. Yes. Breathing out. Yeah, like, you know, like it was more like a, like what they tell you in yoga, like deep in, very breathe. When you are breathing in, breathe in very deeply and then breathe out very deeply. So I was trying to do that mm-hmm. because I was concentrating too much on the breath. Right. But I think yeah. that's unnatural, yeah. but I also wanted to hear your yeah. thoughts about Yeah, for people who, who have come from a tradition where you do a lot of uh, controlling your breath, where you breathe in particular ways, it takes a while to switch gears and come here, do this practice, where we don't try to do anything special with our breath. We just leave our breath alone and let it breathe. Its, let the breath breathe itself. Just what We call it a natural breath, but just don't try to make special, don't try to change it. So, but sometimes it goes for people. Some people, it goes on automatic that they start trying to controlling their breath and doing the doing something with the breath. So, there's two things you can do with that. The first, to go along with what I said already today, um, now you get to be mindful, aware of what it's like to have a controlled breath. It might be uncomfortable. It might feel like you shouldn't be doing it. But if you're doing it, uh, just relax and keep doing it, and be aware that you're doing it. Oh, look at that. This is a controlled breath. You can use the mental note, control. This is what control is like. And the magic of this is that if you clearly see that this is what you're doing, at some point your inner system will begin to relax. But if you feel like you're controlling the breath and then you try to control it by controlling it more, 
it just you can you can spin out and end up in trouble. So then just just relax. So controlled breath, not controlled breath. Just know you're breathing the way it is, and let it be really simple. So that's the that's the first thing I would suggest. The other thing you can do sometimes when we're caught up in controlling the breath is just stop breathing for a little while. And a little while means four seconds, you know, just very short, until you feel a natural pull to breathe in. And just then allow it to breathe in. Maybe at the top of the in-breath, pause until you feel the natural pull to breathe out. And sometimes that little pause breaks the, the controlling. Okay? Do you have suggestions for creating uh, the habit of a meditation practice? Mm-hmm. Great, great. Uh, I think one of the one of the ways of developing a habit of meditation practice is to do it every day, and um, and so that's kind of like a catch twenty two, right? So so first first what you should do is consider what's realistic. If you decide I'm going to sit meditate forty five minutes every day in the morning. But your life is so busy and it's impossible to do. Then you're just disappointed because you can never do it. So you have to figure out how long and when in the day is realistic for you. That's some of the reasons why some people find it really good to do it first thing in the morning before we get caught by everything. But, you know, it's possible that you're, that's not what your life is about. And, but it's possible if you do 10 minutes a day that's long that you can realistically do anything more than that is not realistic and um, so I would start with something short and then build on that in fact that's what I recommend from this intro meditation class is that for those of you who are starting your meditation with this class start with 10 minutes each day uh, for this next week and maybe not even every day but um, six of the next seven days Um, so you can you know and um, and so maybe Sundays off or something. But uh, but um, uh, and then uh, and then next week add five minutes. And so that's one way to develop a habit: doing something that's brief enough that you can actually do it. And then once you after the week, you might enjoy it enough. You might be in the groove a little bit more. And so then adding five minutes is manageable. And then. Then the following week, I'll suggest another five minutes, another five minutes, and um, and once you get up to, you know, thirty minutes, maybe that's enough. Gil, you um, you have your morning sessions right at seven seven o'clock. Yes. Um, are those also available, like recorded? Yes. I mean, people could do that even earlier if that seven o'clock time doesn't work, right? Yeah. What's being referred to is that every morning, uh, weekday morning at 7 p.m., uh, I'm on YouTube with a camera up there. And uh, I do a 30-minute guided meditation, and, uh, and then I give a 15-minute talk. <clears throat> and uh, those are recorded both on our YouTube channel, you can listen to it later, and, and, um, and also we, re- we record it on the audio. And we have a website called Audio Dharma that you can get to, it's on the top of our website, IMC's website, there's a link to it. And there is where you can uh, listen to all the talks that are given here. So like this talk today, 
if you ever want to listen to it again, it'll be on the website. And or if you miss next week's class, but you want to hear it, you can listen to it on audio, or you can go on the YouTube cha- YouTube channel and and our channel and and um, because the video is recorded as well. So. So so. Uh, but what I'd recommend is so what a little bit. Some of you might know this that I you know I've been doing now the whole since the beginning of the pandemic these guided meditations for 30 minutes, some people are kind of becoming dependent on guided meditations. And, uh, it's, and uh, so I'd recommend that uh, as you... So you asked about a habit for starting. That's another way people get the habit is they use guided meditations. That keeps them engaged. But it's, sooner or later, it's really good to learn to meditate without any guidance. And just be, just be quiet and not have any extra input and just... Because the idea is you're supposed to meet yourself. And when you have a guided meditation, then you're a little bit, you're not quite alone with your own mind and your own heart. And that's where the real benefit comes, when you're really alone with yourself and meet yourself in some deep way. Um, And the people who have guided meditations sometimes get a little bit attached to how that, the guided meditation helps them get relaxed. And then they get attached to that. But that's not the point of this meditation. The point of it is to see clearly. The word for the the, the ancient Buddhist word for insight. You know, we're called the Insight Meditation Center. The word is um, the, the the ancient word language. It's vipassana, which literally means clear seeing. This is the practice of clear seeing. So, let's end with, we're just about time to end. Let's end with a five, six minute meditation. So, beginning with the care for your posture. And gently closing your eyes. And again, preparing for the meditation period, taking some long, slow, deep breaths. Relaxing on the exhale. Then letting your breathing return to normal. Relaxing the belly. At the end of the exhale, Pause for just a moment, just long enough to feel the impulse to want to breathe in. And as soon as you feel that natural impulse in the chest, in the belly, allow, let there be a feeling of allowing, allow the inhale to begin. 
almost like you're making room for it, welcoming it, ah, come. And then at the top of the inhale, just before you exhale, pause there as well, just for a moment, just long enough to feel the body wanting to exhale. And then relax so the body does exhale. Release the breath. Allowing the inhale, releasing with the exhale. Allowing the inhale. And as you release the exhale, release any concerns you have. Let go of your thoughts. And ride the exhale all the way to the end of the exhale.
And then to end this meditation, taking some deeper breaths to feel your body more fully. Feel your chair, the floor, the cushion. Remember that you're in a room with a group of other people. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So thank you for being here, coming to this. I hope this was not too many words. Um, there's a tradition that I didn't follow, which is when you want to teach meditation, you do it with as little words as possible. So there's not so much to think about. Um, but I, uh, but I want to just say that as a way of saying, yeah, keep it simple. Try to keep it as simple as you can. And if you don't remember everything that I taught today, it's probably better. Just enough to keep you doing it and in a relaxed way and just kind of doing it. A lot of the learning comes from doing it. So if you're able to over this week to just meditate 10 minutes a day, um, you know, and then you'll be more prepared to come back and, and hear the next set of instructions. If you don't meditate in the next week, don't worry about it. Just come anyway if you want. Um, it's okay. And the way I teach this course as we go along, um, I'm trying to also teach some life skills with mindfulness and awareness that's applicable in your life, independent of meditating. So don't feel like if you're, you know, you're not a failure because you don't meditate. So just, you know, you might benefit from this anyway. And... Um, some of the people who showed up today to kind of help set up and prepare are long-time meditators here. So they're all people you can, uh, if you, when we finish here, you can, you, can, you can walk up to them and ask them questions about either meditation or about um, IMC, if you want to learn more how it works here at IMC or something. So um, like Tom, who has a name tag there standing, he's been around for a long time. He's taught this course before, so he knows a lot of this and um, and um, Nancy, who greeted people at the table, you can check in with her. And the other Nancy up here, has also been around, met, done a lot of meditation at our retreat center, and she can talk a little bit of our retreat center, as can Sveta here. She's been at our retreat center a lot when retreats. And uh, is there someone else? Oh, yes, Nana, of course. <laughs> and also name tag. She's also been around here for a very long time, and then uh, she'd be delighted to answer questions. And, and if any of you speak Spanish, then you can do it in Spanish. It's sometimes easier for some people. So um, thank you for being here, and um, I hope this uh, serves you well. And I'm here too, so if you want to ask me a question. <laughs>